Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Today we're going to be talking about fear. And what I want to do is I want to share with you a thought that um, God put in my heart actually a couple years ago. And it actually came back up uh, last night. And I want, to, I want to talk to you about fear uh, today. And then next week we're going to talk about anxiety. And we're going to talk about these things because I believe that one of the things that this series, The New You, is all about is trying to help you get unstuck in your walk with God, trying to get you unstuck in your journey of life, trying to get you unstuck in every area of your life in 2019, believing that we're going to fulfill the purposes of God for our life. And so we talked about leaving the past behind. And if you didn't listen to these, you can listen all online, right actually on our very front of our homepage, just right on Love City Church, right at the top is the most recent message. Uh, but we talked about leaving fear or, or the past behind and how, what that all looks like and living in Christ. And, and then we talked uh, last week about uh, leaving um, old habits behind. And the way we approached it was through, uh, through the power of the Bible and the tool of Scripture and how God's given you that tool to combat your old habits. And so if you're struggling with old habits, go and listen to that message. Today we're going to talk about fear. And next week we're going to talk about anxiety. And often we actually confuse fear and anxiety. We, we confuse these two things. Often when we're actually experiencing anxiety, we, we think it's fear. And sometimes we're experiencing fear and it's actually anxiety. And so I want to just identify the difference between the both. I put a, a, a little, like a, a, an educational definition on the screen. So if you're going to take a nap, this is the moment to do it. But um, anxiety is an unreasonable, unusual, and unreliable response to circumstances. Anxiety is a negative use of mental rehearsal. It is the anticipation of a negative event, whether it occurs or not. Anxiety completely disregards talent, experience, wisdom, and is only focused on a negative outcome. So that's what we're going to talk about next week. But this week, the difference between anxiety being you looking forward towards something and feeling in the future as though something uh, is not going or gone to go well for you it's the the future reality it's looking at a circumstance and and again just to mention every single message i believe on, uh, about this new uh, you series is online for you to listen to and that's online for your benefit and i want to encourage you strongly to go back and listen to this series go back and listen to this new you because i believe that the past and um, our old habits and fear and anxiety are four things that keep us from truly experiencing everything that God wants us to experience in our lives. And so I believe that, that God wants to get us unstuck. And the, the, as we talk about anxiety next week, we'll really go at it and really give you some helpful tools on how to move forward in that. But today, talking about fear. Fear or fright, horror, terror, panic, etc. It's a straightforward enemy. It derives from what is right in front of us. Right now, an immediate threat to our safety, an immediate challenge you face in your life that is difficult and hard. This causes a near instant response as psychologists would articulate as fight or flight. So when you experience immediate fear, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's like, you know, your, 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 your uh, daughter, like my son and daughter like to do, jump out at you when you're coming around the corner, ah! like that, you jump, and that immediate sense of fear, it causes your heart to race and your pulse to start going, and all of your dopamine and your adrenaline starts raging, and, or people are crazy, they pay money to go be scared. I mean, in two, I think it was 2000, uh, I think 2003, the number of horror movies that came out each year was six. Uh, in 2018, uh, I think it came out with 266 horror movies uh, in just one year. People are paying money to be afraid because there's this control that's around getting on a roller coaster at West Edmonton Mall in the indoor stupid red roller coaster that makes you go numb when you're going down it. Like people pay money to go on that because it's a controlled environment where you can experience the physical implications of fear but know that you are in control. 
See, when fear comes into your life that you don't have control over, it causes not only a physical impact, but a mental impact. It causes an impact spiritually. And what happens often is that if fear continues to happen often in your life, and I'm not just talking about terror or uh, near-life experiences, I'm more speaking of things of fear in your life that are keeping you back from moving forward. Maybe you have a, you've had a fear of a broken relationship or a fear that you sinned or a fear that you fell short or a fear that your finances aren't going to turn out like you hope. It's this, this immediate fear. Maybe your, uh, your mortgage uh, wasn't able to get paid and they want to do foreclosure or maybe that relationship you've been investing into, they decided to run away from you or maybe that business partner who you've been working with decided that they wanted to go do their own thing. This moment where something happens and this fear overcomes you, that type of fear has the capacity to control your life. And when fear, the happening in our life, fear to move forward, fear of, 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 of circumstances in our lives, uh, sickness in our body, marriage struggles, financial disarray, difficulty in our life. When we experience these types of difficulties that come up at us and we don't expect them to come and they overwhelm us, those types of moments can control and dictate how we live our life going forward. And it's important we understand that fear, this type of fear is based in the present. It's right now. It's here. And sometimes when we feel fear, we can feel as though God isn't with us. And when we feel like God isn't with us, our faith begins to waver. And when our faith begins to waver, doubt begins to set in. And when doubt begins to set in, then this becomes our new reality. No longer can we live uh, under the promises of God. And no longer can we accept what God's word says. And no longer do we trust people like we used to. And no longer do we engage in uh, relationships like we used to. Now, this is my new reality because I've experienced this fear of moving forward so often in my life. It becomes your new world. So we allow fear to dictate us. We allow fear to dictate our choices and fear to dictate our relationships. Fear becomes the mandate of our life and now fear rather than faith becomes our reality. As followers of Christ, we're called to live by faith, not by sight. As followers of Christ, we're called to step out into the unknown. See, this is where a lot of followers of God are. They I have experienced uh, the, the moment where they've stepped out in faith and something has happened. They've stepped out in faith and started that business and the business fell apart. You stepped out in faith and I want to go into that church and I'm going to develop a relationship and I'm going to go past my fear and you get into a relationship and the person backstabs you and now it's like the unknown world of faith. Now we don't want to go there because I don't want to experience the terror and the fear that I experienced before and so I'm going to live in a place of fear, but I'm going to declare faith with my mouth, but not live by faith. And as followers of Christ, we're called to not live by what we see, the circumstances that we see, our children, our families, our jobs, our finances, the situations that come up at us and overwhelm us, and we sense fear. We're not supposed to live a life as followers of Christ. That does not dictate how we live our lives, because we live by faith faith. And I believe in 2019, the story we're going to talk about today, randomly, in my mind, is David and Goliath. <laughs> when I begin to think about this, the Holy Spirit just said, Ryan, I want you to, to, to remind them that 2019 is a year where you're going to face, you will face Goliaths. You will face challenges. You will face hardships. You will potentially face sickness or pain or hardship. You could face death. You could face these things this year. But I want you to know that even though you're going to face Goliaths, that the, the natural response to the Goliaths in our lives is fear. But this is a year where you will be able to defeat the giant of fear in your life. This is the year in 2019 where you're going to move past the fear of relationship. Move past the fear of moving forward in your business. Move, move past the fear of moving forward in the ministry that God has called you to start or be a part of. Say, I want to be in full-time ministry, but I'm so afraid of what that means for my life. Move past that Goliath and believe that God has given you the faith to overcome the giants and the enemies in your life to be everything that God has called you to be. So today we're going to look at the story of David and Goliath. I'm going to give you three things. Three things about David's story. We're going to read a little bit of scripture today. And I want to talk about how David had faith 
amongst fear. How did, how did David have fear, faith amongst a fearful situation? Your, your faith in God determines how you see the challenges that you'll face. Your faith in God depends on, it determines how you will go against the Goliaths in 2019. So let's read some scripture today. You can look on the screen. Um, I meant to read from the ESV, but I did it all in the NIV. So um, if you're reading in those, and there's a reason why I'm saying that, but you can follow along on the screen in 1 Samuel verse 7, chapter 17. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle in camp between Sukkah and Judah and Ezekah at Ephes Demim. I don't know if I did that right. I'm sorry. Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. And then Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out, out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel, and he was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds, and he also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder, and the shaft of his spear was as heavy as thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds, and his armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the people of God, the Israelites, the church heard this. They were terrified and deeply shaken. So here's an enemy in the enemy camp standing looking at this people. And he begins to speak words that cause intense fear in God's people, in God's chosen king, in God's chosen people, the people of God who served Yahweh, who served the God who caused the Red Sea to part and caused manna from heaven and rocks, uh, water from rocks, the, the same God who did miracle after miracle after miracle. They stand looking at this enemy in their life, this Goliath in their life, and they are overwhelmed with fear, terror, dismay. Worry. And it says in the verse that they gathered at uh, Sukkah and Judah and Azekah. This is interesting. I need you to understand some historical context to what this means is that this region was very, very strategic. Because what the enemy Philistine camp wanted to do is they wanted to go right here through this valley. This is where the Israelites were mounted on this story. And the Philistines were over here on the left. And this here was the Valley of Elah. And if the Philistine army could make it up through this little cavern right here, they would go up into the mountains and they would actually ransack all of the Israelite armies. And what they were trying to do is the enemy was trying to sneak up into the Israelite camp and cause division by going around behind the back of these armies and then coming down from the mountains and destroying all of the people of Israel. They were trying to wedge in between God's people. And so what happened was, is that on this Philistine camp and this, where the Israelite camp was, was a very, very strategic spot because in order for the Philistine uh, to come through, they would have to start making their way down through the valley and for the Israelites to go and attack the Philistines, they would have to make their way through the valley. So if anyone stepped out to start this fight, it was pretty, pretty obvious. So now there's two armies, the army of God and the army of the enemy, and they're standing toe to toe and they're at a deadlock. Do -do 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 -do. <laughs> they're looking across the way at the mountains and no one is moving because they're at a standstill. It's very important you understand that at this very moment, they were the, the enemy of God had positioned itself against God's army and God's people and the people of God positioned themselves against God's people but they stood there and they did nothing. As Goliath taunted the people of God, they stood there at a deadlock and did nothing. And look what the verse says. For 40 days, every morning and every evening, 
the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. Why didn't the people of God who had the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the, the water parting, uh, bread providing, Yahweh creator God behind them, why didn't the people of Israel strut down there and destroy those enemies? For 40 days, he taunted and he taunted, and he taunted, and he spoke. How many of you ever feel like the enemy does that to you? He just keeps going, and keeps speaking, and keeps using words, and keeps in your head, and keeps discouraging you, and keeps depressing you, and keeps reminding you of all the failures. He keeps bringing fear in your heart. He continues day after day after day after day after day. The enemy's using words in your mind and in your heart to keep you from moving forward in your walk with God. It just won't stop. That's exactly what happened in this story. And it says in the verse that, as I mentioned, they were very afraid. What were they afraid of? What did Goliath do when he came down into the valley of Elah? He simply opened his mouth and used words. He didn't blow fire out of his mouth. He didn't like show his skills by whipping around his, his javelin saying, check me out. He didn't have all this amazing skill. He literally walked out there and he opened his mouth and he began to use words to taunt the people of God, to taunt the people of, of God's children. He used words to taunt them and they were terrified at the idea of these words that Goliath was speaking that this enemy wants to destroy me. This enemy wants to take me out. And they sat there and they watched and they did nothing. This is where we start our story today. And many of us are in this place in our life right now. Where the enemy has been speaking to your mind, he's been taunting you, you've experienced some sort of fear in your past, or you're currently looking at a situation that's caused fear, and you're at a standstill, and you're so panic-stricken, you're so overwhelmed with moving forward, you don't want to get hurt again, you don't want to make a mistake again, you don't want to fail again, I, I just want to, I don't, I don't want something to happen again, all this fear is keeping you, and so while the enemy is taunting you in your mind, while he's winning the battle in your brain, you're standing there and you're watching him, and in 2019, we are not going to allow that any longer. And this is when David enters the story. David is sent by his dad to bring his brothers cheese and milk. That's weird. He brings his brothers cheese and milk and he walks up, hey guys, brings his brothers the food and brings the, all these other guys talking, hey buddy, hey John, how's it going buddy? Hey Bob, what's up man? Good to see you again. Hey, what's up? Hey, hey, good, hey, hey how's your wife and kids? Good. Okay, and all of a sudden Goliath steps up. He starts chanting and yakking his mouth off. But I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. David walks up and says, why, why are you guys letting this guy talk like this about God and his army? Well, this is what's happening. You know, we, gotta, we don't really want to go after him. And this is what's happening. And this, this is this. And, you know, like we're just standing here kind of waiting to see what happens. And, you know, like, and David says, well, what happens if, if I beat this guy? Well, you get to meet Mary Saul's daughter and you get a bunch of money and you get like royalty and all this stuff. And he goes, oh, I'll do it. <laughs> no, like, did you see him? He's like nine feet tall. He's got a big javelin. He's super huge. Like, like, are, are you sh like, no, I'll do it. Look what he says in this verse. In this scripture here, someone's trying to get my Wi-Fi. Don't worry about this, uh, this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. And when a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. And if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. And I've done this both with lions and I've done this with bears and I'm going to do it with this pagan Philistine too. Rescue me from the claws of the lion. The bear will rescue me from this Philistine. And Saul finally consented. Well, all right, go ahead, he said. And may the Lord be with you. And Saul gave David his armor and a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. And David put it on and strapped the sword over it and took a step or two to see what it was like. And for he had never worn such things before. Interesting, he'd never ever worn armor before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again and he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag and then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. I want to give you three things from the next few verses that David did amongst fear. When he had faith amongst fear, 
why was David able to look at a situation like this when everyone else in the church couldn't see it like he saw it? Everyone else in the church saw Goliath. Everyone else in the Christian community saw defeat, saw death, saw pain. David walked in and said, I'm a man full of faith. That's not what I see. Why was David able to see faith, not fear? The first one from this verse we just read, how David had faith instead of fear. He knew who he was in Christ. You can say, oh, this is so simple. Well, if we just embrace it and actually do it in our lives, it would transform you forever. He actually knew who he was in Christ. I want you to notice something here, that when he, he recognized that he had never worn such things before, meaning this, David, in the, in the, Greek, in the, in the Hebrew words there, it articulates the idea that David had na- never actually proven this type of armor before because he'd always gone to battle with lions and bears with God's protection. He had gone into it. He was protecting his sheep. All he had was a sling. He didn't have the armor. He didn't have the shield. He didn't have the sword. He didn't have all the things he needed to fight a stinking lion. All he had was his sling, his faith in God, God's protection in his life. He knew, I know who I am in God. I know exactly who I am. And so when I'm going to go against this enemy that stands up against me, and you want me to use natural means to fix this problem. Now, let me say this. If you go online today, I'm not going to give you practical things today, but I can tell you this. If you want practical advice on how to overcome fear, type into Google how to overcome fear, and 9 billion search results will pop up. And those 9 billion search results will be very helpful for you and for me. And read every one of them and apply all those practical tools. Today, I'm talking about spiritual tools. See, we might look at different natural things. And listen, going to counseling, I encourage you. Doing breathing exercises, I do it. I encourage you. Doing all these different things are so vitally important for our lives. For us getting in good friendships, important. Us eating right and acting right and living right, all all important. But we can't forget that the spiritual, the spiritual tools that God gives us, God says, no, don't you remember who you are in me? Don't you remember that when when a situation comes at you, when Goliath walks up to you, don't you remember that you're trying to put on armor and you're trying to carry around the shield and you're trying to do it with all of these natural means? You're trying to cope with friendships or with uh, drug abuse or with Netflix or all these different things. You're just trying to cope with this fear you have in your life when in reality, God says, listen, don't forget that you are my son and my daughter that I have given you everything that you need to overcome the enemy of fear in your life? You cannot forget who you are in Christ. The spirit, Romans 8, 15, that we received is not a spirit that makes us slaves again to fear. So when fear comes, we have to accept the reality based on this verse is not a spirit of God. The natural response to fear is normal. When my kids are afraid, my daughters came in my room last night, I almost had a nightmare. My first reaction as, an, as, a, as lacking empathy, sorry, at three in the morning is, claim Jesus' name and go back to bed. <laughs> but in her world, that fear is real. So, Don't get me wrong. Fear is real. It feels real. It is real. Even if it's about the most menial little spider on the ground, it is absolutely real. Our natural chemical response to fear is how God made us. But beyond that chemical natural response, there is a response that you and I can make either in the natural world or first primarily in the spiritual world and recognize that when the spirit of fear comes, we have to remind ourselves, as the scripture says, the spirit that we have makes us children of God. Now, for those of you who have children in the room, you'll understand what I mean. But I remember one time, my daughter was playing on a, uh, on a playground, and I was on my phone. I wasn't being an active parent, I was being a present parent. And as I stood there as a present parent, not really paying attention, what I didn't realize is there was this man who was playing with my daughter. What I didn't know is that he was telling her to go around the corner. And so at that moment, you recognize that, 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 that the spirit of fear comes upon us. I saw that guy doing that, and I thought to myself, oh, no, you don't. That's my daughter. 
And I walked up and I said, excuse me, sir. What are you doing? Oh, I just, uh, no, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just talking to her. No, you will never speak to my daughter again. And if you don't leave right now, I'm going to kick your bottom. See, my daughter turned around and looked at me and learned something that day. Whoa, I am my, my dad's daughter. Like, like when I'm experiencing something, something in my life, my dad steps up to the plate because he's with me. That when fear comes in my life and situations happen, i got to be reminded, man, I am a son and a daughter of the most high God where nothing is impossible with my God. He is the creator of the universe. He is the first and the last. He causes all things to work to good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. That is my God. That is my father. And I can cry out, Abba, Father, when I am in need, when I experience fear in my life because I have not been given a spirit of fear but of love and of power and a sound mind. Perfect love. Cast out all fear. So when I'm experiencing fear or traumatic situations, in my life. I can choose to go the natural route of coping with it or the spiritual route of saying, before I do those good things, I am a son of God. I know who I am. And that's why David went and picked up those smooth stones. It's really interesting, that word smooth in the Hebrew is the word portion. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is in Psalm 16. I share it all the time. Psalm 16, verse 7. Lord, you alone are my portion. So instead of David taking these natural ways, these, these very good, very normal, earthly ways to cope with his fear, he said, no, actually, I'm going to first be reminded of who I am, and I'm going to go, and I just wonder if David walked out to pick up the stones and thought, no, Jesus, you are my portion. No, Lord, you are my sanctification. No, Lord, you are my hope. You are my joy. You are my transformation. No, you are my God. You are my Yahweh. He reached out and reminded himself that he is a child of God, and if you want to experience breakthrough in your fury this year, you have to accept the fact that as a follower of Christ, you are God's son and daughter. Secondly, let's read the next verse here. Verse 40. So he picked up these smooth stones from a stream and he put them into his shepherd's bag. And armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he wrote to David, that you come at me with a stick, with sticks? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. Second way that David had faith instead of fear, he knew what he was capable of through Christ. So I know who I am in Christ, but not only that, this is really cool, I know what I'm capable of. So the reason Saul wanted to give David his armor was because Goliath was, he was, in, he was an infantry. He was, he was one who would go hand-to-hand combat. And so Saul thought in his mind, you want to fight Goliath, you're going to fight Goliath the way that you should fight someone of his class. And so take his armor, you're going to go out there and you're going to hand-to-hand fight. But what Saul didn't understand is that, that David understood what he was capable of. He knew that if I go at it the way God's gifts have given me, if I go at it the way God's called me to go at it, if I go at it with faith, if I go at it this way, the way who I am, and what I'm capable of doing, I know I can win this battle. And that's why he says, actually, this isn't good, because like, Saul was thinking he was going to go hand to hand, but David knew differently. So David's sling in ancient warfare, there's three kinds of warriors. And there's a cavalry, which are those who are on horses and chariots who go in and fight. There is the heavy infantry, like I suggested, like a Goliath who goes hand to hand. And then there's artillery or archers, but more importantly in ancient world, slingers. And these slingers would actually, someone who had a leather pouch, and they would rotate, as, the, as, as you would probably understand, rotate this above their head at certain, uh, uh, they would rotate it like this, and then about seven or eight times it would let go, and it would cause there to be a direct, actually many of the ancient snipers are like modern or ancient day snipers. And so actually many of the ancient battles that were fought were decided by these types of people. And David it's important to understand, did not play with a kid's toy. This was something different. When he would take that revolution, the seven, eight, nine, ten revolutions around his head, it would probably, when he let go of that stone, it would move at about 35 meters per second. 
That's faster than any professional pitcher could throw a baseball. And as he, he let that go, as he swung that around, you have to understand the rocks in that region in the Valley of Elah were barium sulfite. So they were actually heavier rocks, two times as dense as the normal rock. And so now you're not just throwing a normal rock. This is like a bullet. In fact, the stopping power of David's sling in, in comparison in our modern weapon would be just like a 45 caliber handgun. And so when David was, was looking at this enemy, seeing a, uh, 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 an infantry big guy thinking about hand-to-hand -hand combat, David knew he could stand 200 yards away and take this sucker out. He knew when he was going into this battle. We think sometimes, oh man, David, that's crazy. How, how, how are you going to do this? David knew in his mind because he spent so many years destroying the enemy, the bear and the lion. He spent so many years taking that sling and practicing with that sling. Do you know that they could hit from 200 miles away, they could hit a, a, a something flying in the air and take it out. They could take out, kill and maim and destroy animals and targets from that far away. So when David walked into this battle, battle. He knew he was going to win. Some of you in this room actually believe that you can't win. Some of you in this room today actually believe in this battle you're facing that Goliath is smarter than you are. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been given every tool, as I shared last week, 2 Corinthians 10.4. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. If followers of Jesus could just accept who they are in Christ and just understand what you're capable of, what your, what, what your, your prayer of faith actually has impact, and when the man or woman prays with, a, with earnest faith that you can actually cause miracles to happen. That we believe that when you lay your hands on the sick, the Bible says they shall recover. We believe that God causes the transformation of our minds by the laying on of hands. There's, trans, there's transformation that happens when you pray and when you read your word and when you begin to speak in your spiritual language and you go to war, when you look at this thing in community and you join together in prayer. I want you to know something today. The devil doesn't even know what you're capable of. Like you've got this sling and you've been trying to use your sword and you've been trying to use all other methods. I'm telling you today, God has given you everything that you need in this life to overcome this giant that you're facing. It it might seem big. It might seem nine feet tall. He might look ugly. He might smell bad. It might be difficult. It might be hard. You might feel grief. You might feel pain. But whatever you're experiencing, God has given you everything that you need to defeat this enemy in 2019. This fear, this depression, this past experiences that have held you back, this marriage problem, this financial situation, this pain you've had from leaders, this is the year when you're going to look that sucker in the eye and say, you know what? I'm a child of God, and I got a lot of capability in me. I got the most high God living inside of me, and I'm going to speak to that fear right now and say, this far and no further. And accept the fact that you have great capabilities. David knew exactly what he was capable of. Let's read this last verse and we'll just share this last part and we'll end our time together. Verse 40. Armed with only a shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. And Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bare ahead of him and sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared to David. You come out with a stick. He cursed David by the names of his gods and come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. And Goliath yelled, and David replied to the Philistines, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you, and I will cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with a sword and not with a spear, that this is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David ran quickly. Notice that. Goliath moved closer, but David ran. He ran close to meet him. And reaching out in a shepherd's bag and taking a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. 
So David, David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. And then David ran over, pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath, and David used it to kill him and cut off his stinking head. The third thought here today, how David had faith instead of fear, is that David saw possibility amongst impossibility. David saw faith instead of fear. I want to just point something out to you today in this verse. A few things are really interesting. There's actually been, for, for, for many years, a great debate on what, uh, about the, uh, the, the, the context of Goliath. And many people have written papers on it. It's been, if you go to research, it's actually this depth of, of, uh, of uh, learning and trying to understand who Goliath really was. In fact, we, we see here little takeaways, little things that, that give us the impression that something's just not right. And so here we see the people of Israel are up on this hill looking down into the valley and they see this nine-foot-tall figure and this tiny boy David. And from their vantage point, they only see from far away a terrible situation where the people are mounted. There's a giant warrior, a little David. We're going to lose Fear is striking them. From their vantage point, that's all they see. But if we zoom into where David is at, as David got closer to the enemy Goliath, I believe he knew instantly when he saw Goliath, he was going to win this battle. The scripture says it, and I won't show you in the verses. You can look it up yourself right here in the script. It identifies the idea that, that David, David or, or Goliath moved slowly. And Goliath needed someone to actually, he had a, uh, someone hold, his, uh, hold him by the hand and guide him down there. Uh, when he's far away, the ESV uses the word, you come at me with sticks, singular sticks, the, or plural, I'm sorry, the idea that there's more than one. So there was this idea that Goliath maybe wasn't what we think he was was. Many people believe that he had a form of giantism. And this giantism, obviously, is nine feet tall. Goodness gracious, that didn't take me very long to figure that out. This medical journal was written that this giantism is a condition called acromegla. And this is something that is caused when there's a tumor on, on, your, on the glands in your brain that actually cause your body to begin to grow, but it actually begins to decrease your capacity in your brain to think clearly. We know many of these different individuals, the tallest man ever to live was William, uh, I think his name Wadlow. Remember Andre the Giant? I don't know if you do. How about Abraham Lincoln was considered to be one of these people. And all three of these individuals who were all considered to be these giants who had acromegla were people who had inability to see clearly. Uh, other than Abraham Lincoln, these individuals, they moved slowly. They couldn't see very far away. They, they were long, cumbersome, and they, they kind of slurred their speech a little bit. They weren't the, 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 always the, the most uh, intelligent individuals, and they couldn't see from far away. So here we see that they had double vision and all these different things. So when David got up close to this giant, he looked at a young man, this big giant, who was slow and cumbersome in his movements. He had to have somebody help him. He couldn't see very clearly. He needed David to come closer so he could see him. And David knew the moment he walked up to this enemy that he could take that forty-five handgun and shoot him right in the head. See, you and I stand up on the mountain looking down at the battle scene and are so afraid at this fearful situation. But if you get up close to your enemy, you'll realize, oh, that's it? Really? Really? I thought that this was going to be harder. Really? That's it? See, David looked at the impossible situation with faith and knew that there is possibility now because when you get up close to your enemy, you will recognize very quickly that you, who you are in Christ and what you're capable of is much more powerful than he is. You can look your, your, your enemy in the face and know that this year in 2019, you are greater than your problem. You are greater than your situation. You are greater than the thing that you face in your life this year. I want to read one last verse and then I'll have you stand. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. See, every one of us is just like this young man, David, where I believe that in 2019, if we just begin to step into who we are in Christ, process the reality of who we, what we're capable of, and realize that, guys, the situation that you face, yes, it's hard. Death is hard. 
Loss is hard. Marriage struggles are hard. Financial problems are hard. All the things we face, they are absolutely, without a, sh- without a doubt, hard. And the responses that you have of fear are real. And those things, those natural experiences you have are real. But once the emotion dies down, once the fear subsides and the situation stays the same, recognize this today, that God has given you everything that you need to move past that giant. This is the, the prophetic word, the, the prophetic thought I felt I had for you today. Many of you here today have been standing on the top of that mountain for so long and in order for you to do everything that God wants you to do, you're going to have to go down and stand toe-to-toe with that giant. You have to go down there and you've got to say, okay, I'm going to face this fear. This is the year where you're going to face that fear. I want you to do me a favor. Why don't you stand this morning? We're just going to sing a song actually real quick and then I'm going to pray with us. close your eyes for a minute thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca we pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus